me is going away. Oh, I've had enough. I've had enough. Okay. So I've got to make sure I've got everything I need here. Ah, oh, that's all right. It's nothing like a bit of activity, is there? You know, kind of move about a bit. You come at the right time, you haven't missed anything. <laughs> Great. Okay. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't here last week, so I don't know what technological heights Dave rose to, but a couple of weeks ago, I was overwhelmed by the technology shown by Wes. You know, if you weren't here, um, he put all sorts of stuff on the screen, including um, his head on the body of people who were barely kind of stronger looking than him, you know. Uh, and it looked pretty cool. It looked pretty cool. Weird, but cool. Um, I thought, I've got I've to do better than that. I've got to beat him. Okay. <laughs> Technology, man. Okay. This is called a felt-tip pen. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> and this, Wes, just to let you know, this is called paper. Okay, paper. All right? Great, eh? And what you do with this, you may not know this, you younger folk. Um, okay. Um, you uh, take the lid off because it works better. Okay. And I am, I am now going to draw you a picture. Now, Wes, because he's so strong, is going to hold this for me because I can't do anything otherwise. Flipping technology. I don't know. I'm now going to draw a picture. For those on the podcast, you won't get it anyway. <laughs> Simple as that. Okay. Oh, for goodness sake. Okay. All right. Can you all see that at the back? Okay. I, I just want to ask you... It's a work of art, isn't it? Alan, Alan, I've been... T this is amazing, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, I thought you'd think so. Yeah. No limits to my talent. Um, can you tell me what I've drawn? Who can tell me what I've drawn? A wet trilby, a hat... A tired octopus. That's nice. I like that. I like that. A tired octopus. Um, and a, a hat. Uh, any other, you know, it, you, you're seeing a hat, are you? It's a hat. Oh, dear, oh, dear. What, what do you think? Pudding with custard. Put in with custard. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, poured over the top. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Weird, wrong, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who cooks for you? <laughs> Man alive. Actually, you are all totally and utterly wrong. Actually, my wife can probably tell me what it is. Um, 
Oh, leave it out, will you? When I need your information, I'll ask for it, okay? Right? Yeah. Lane, what is that? It's an elephant that's been swallowed by a boa constrictor. It is lunch. Okay. Yeah, it is. And let me show you. It's an elephant being swallowed by a boa constrictor. Um, not my idea, actually. There's a, there's a, little, a children's book called The Little Prince, and uh, it comes in that. And, and the child in that, in The Little Prince, he does this drawing, the one I did at the, at the front, and um, he's really disappointed that no one sees it. He says, you know, he can't believe it. They all say, it's a hat. It's a hat. And he's looking, he's like, what? A hat? Of course it's not a hat. It's a boa constrictor that swallowed an elephant. And it's all the way we look at things. And this morning, I just want to talk about what do you see? What do you see? And uh, I'm going to follow up, first of all, on what Judith was talking about. Uh, Standing on the shoulders of giants. Uh, Dave will tell you, well, look, anyone who stands on the shoulders of a giant is going to see further. I mean, particularly me, obviously. Um, Because you can see more, can't you? And when Judith climbed up those ladders, as well as showing how high you could get, she was seeing more. If you remember, she was reading from Hebrews, and in Hebrews, uh, we were looking at the witnesses, the um, cloud of witnesses that there were. Uh, people like Abraham and Moses and Joseph and Jacob. And when you look at those people, for example, Abraham, it says in the Bible that Abraham was given promises that didn't seem to be happening, but it says he was looking forward. It talks about Jacob and Joseph and Isaac, and it says about them that they saw the things promised from a distance. Moses' parents saw that he was no ordinary child. You see this as you look through all those witness statements, if you like, that are in Hebrews chapter 11. Moses himself, it says, was looking ahead. And uh, it says he saw him who was invisible. You know, sometimes we don't see things the way they actually are. We see things sometimes through the world's eyes. We, don't, we see a hat instead of a bar constrictor that's swallowed an elephant. In Hebrews, it says the way that we're going to get over this is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. What do you see when you're surrounded by problems? I don't know about you, but in, in my pocket, I've got one of these. It's a, bit, it's a tatty, old, tatty old cover, isn't it? I need to replace this. Uh, 
CDs all over the place. You can't go down the street without seeing everyone walking along like this, can you? You know, with, the, uh, with their iPhone or their whatever uh, in front of them. All the time. You go on a bus and everyone's got it. You know, they're all looking like this. And you think, does anyone talk to each other anymore? They just look at each other on screens and do things like that. The thing is that, and this is where I show old age here, okay, uh, when I was at school, when we talked about a computer, right, and this is just a mini computer, we were talking about some massive mainframe thing that took up almost the whole room. And uh, if you wanted to use one or connect up to one, and it didn't do very much, really. It really did calculations and storing data and stuff like that. You had to dial up, you know, had to, you had to book up in advance and then dial up on a phone, and, and then you'd get your information coming down to some kind of gizmo that you had at home. And that was it. The idea of having all this stuff that you have these days with photographs on it and all sorts of... I can't believe what you can do on this sort of stuff. Now, you probably think I'm really sad, don't you? Yeah, you do. But you see, nowadays, kids think this is normal. But some time ago, in the 70s and 80s, a guy called Steve Wozniak, another guy called Tim Berners-Lee, and a whole load of other guys, they saw those big mainframe computers, and they saw something different. They saw the possibilities. They had vision. They could see that you could do something else with this. And if they hadn't have seen that, you wouldn't be walking around with these now. It wouldn't have happened. What do you see? Do you just see kind of what's in front of you and nothing else? Or do you see through the eyes of faith? Do you see through the eyes of someone who's got their eyes fixed on Jesus? Do you see with the eyes of someone who's walking with him? The second time that Judith got up to talk to us about standing on the shoulders of giants, she went to Numbers 13. And it was, if you remember, the spies who were sent out into the promised land. And the actual words that were used to the spies, I say actual words, it was Hebrew, obviously. But this is what they were asked to do. They were asked to see what the land is like. See what the land is like. Go and have a butcher's. Go and have a look at see what it's like. Explore it. See what it's like. So 12 guys go out and they see pretty much the same thing. I mean, it may have gone in different bits, but pretty well they see the same thing, okay? And they come back. Now, 10 of them say, whoa, you should see what we've seen. We've seen these guys who are giants. And alongside them, we look like grasshoppers. See, that's what they saw. But Joshua and Caleb, they saw the same stuff. But they said, we can take this lot. We can, we can sort them out. They knew because they were looking through the eyes of God. They were looking through God eyes. They were seeing through the eyes of faith, they were seeing the same thing, but in a different way, okay? They didn't see a hat. They saw the boa constrictor eating up 
an elephant, you know? They were looking at things in a different way. And I'd, I'd say that the reason for that is because that's the way they've been walking with God. They had seen stuff that God had done before, and they remembered it. And they, te- if you like, you can, you can almost, I don't know, I was going to say test God. You don't exactly test God, but you know, if, you, if each day you live for him and try out things and do things and see how he comes up for you, then you learn. You begin to see things different. You can put more faith in him. If you never, if you never try anything tricky, then, yeah, if you do everything that you could do that easily, it, it might not happen. But I believe that Caleb and, Caleb and Joshua had learned how to live with God and see things differently. I'm going to look at two things in the Bible where... Get rid of that. That doesn't break when you drop it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I won't tread on it. I won't tread on it. Thank you. Just for the podcast, Eunice has got up and picked up the pen. <laughs> Thought I'd say that. Why not? Okay, I'm going to look at. Uh, I'm going to look at a really great bit that I like, and it's in Numbers, chapter thirteen. Uh, and uh, whoop, no, it's not. No, I'm I'm telling lies here. I'm supposed to be looking in Kings. Just lost my place. No, I've got it. Uh, Two kings. Now, what's happened here is the king of Aram is trying to get at the the Israelites. And uh, he's having a problem, the king of Aram, because every time he tries to get the Israelite army, Elisha tells the Israelite king what's going to happen. And they arranged themselves accordingly. And the king of Aram is getting really mad about this. You know, every time I try and attack Israel, they're ready for me. What's happening? At first he thinks there must be a spy. But one of his friends says, no, 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 no. That's not it. Elisha, the prophet, is telling them what's happening. The king of Aram is not happy. He said, right, we're going to get this guy. So he sends down a whole load of people to get him. Uh, Go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so that I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Surrounded by enemies. Ever felt like that? Ever felt that things were surrounding you that weren't good? Things weren't right in your life and that you couldn't see a way out of it? Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord. Do you get that? What do you see? Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, 
and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, the, the servant couldn't at first see what Elisha could see, that God was protecting him, that God had his army surrounding the other army. We need to be able to have our eyes open to what's in this world. It's not, it, it's strange, isn't it, in a way, but you've got to, God's presence is here. Do you believe that? God's presence is here. You can only know that through the eyes of faith. God has the power to do amazing things. And when we pray, things begin to happen in that world that we can't see. And it affects the one that we can see, of course. What happens after this? I I like this. The enemy came down towards him. Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. It's interesting, isn't it? One eye opened, another load of eyes blinded. And so God struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, the army, this isn't the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. Now, fairly obviously, the blindness that they had wasn't like, I can't see anything, because otherwise they wouldn't have been able to follow Elisha, would they? And, uh, and also they wouldn't have known who they were talking to. I, you know, I, I reckon that this blindness was just something that had come upon them so that they couldn't see things as they really are. And it's my belief that people who don't know God can't see things as they really are. And that sometimes even... If things are happening to us and we're not fixing our eyes on Jesus and we're not looking to him, sometimes we don't always see things the way they are. And so Elisha takes them off and when they they get to the city and they're now, they're they're taken to the city of Samaria, which is where the Israelite army are. And... uh, the Lord opens their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. I can't imagine that would be like suddenly, uh-oh, surrounded. Anyway, uh, the king of Israel saw them. He asked Elisha, shall I kill them? And that's nice, isn't it? And Elisha says this, and, and sometimes in the Bible it can be quite bloodthirsty, let's be honest, you know, it's a kind of warts and all book, but he does something different. He, I think this is quite cool. He says, don't kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you've captured with your own sword and bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, a great feast for your enemies. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. See, Elisha saw things in a different way. Everything seen in a different way. And when we know God, we begin to see things in a different way. And I want to go to another story now. In the New Testament, about seeing again. And uh, it's in Mark. Uh, 
And it's about Jesus healing a blind man. So it says, and I'll read it. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus, if it was me, I'd probably say, saw bushes walking around. There, there you go. Um, Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Because I was reading this from the point of view of what do we see, kind of various things came to me. The first thing was that sometimes seeing things can demand a bit of an effort. This man had been brought to Jesus by people and they begged Jesus to touch him. And Jesus didn't just go, see, don't be blind anymore or something like that. I don't know. He didn't do that. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. I never really noticed that before. That's kind of weird, isn't it? There he is. Uh, Why take him outside the village? But he did. He took him outside the village. and, uh, And then he spat on the man's eyes. Don't try that with me. I may not be that big, but you could still end up on the floor with a pain somewhere. Okay? Don't even think about it. Okay? He spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. And then, at first, he he said, well, do you see anything? He said, yeah, I can see men walking around, but they look like trees. Now, the interesting thing about this is a question you're probably saying to yourself, how does he know they look like trees if, uh, if he's blind? Well, I, I'm reckoning that he's having his sight restored rather than, I'm only, I can't know that, but it would seem to me a reasonable supposition that he knew what trees looked like, but he'd lost his sight at some time. We can all do that. We can all lose our sight of Jesus We can all lose our capacity for seeing things as he does, especially when we're in a panic, yeah? Let's be honest, when you're in a panic sometimes, all you care about is getting out of it and you freeze and you you think of all the worst things that you can think of. Well, I do. I don't know, maybe I'm different from all you. Maybe you're you're so wonderfully holy. But uh, no, I'm afraid. There are moments when I, I just lose it. Uh, or I get really worried, and I need someone like Marina, as she did in the kitchen earlier, going, breathe in, just calm down. I did, <sighs> just about. Uh, yeah, so sometimes we need ourselves to be res- our sight to be restored, so we can see things as they are from God's point of view. But yeah, it took a bit of an effort, and sometimes we need to work on ourselves. Sometimes we. We need to go back and spend some time with God because 
what I, what I like about this is that Jesus took the man by the hand and led him outside the village. And to me, if we want to see properly, we need to walk with Jesus. We need to let ourselves be put in his hands, not go the way we always want to go. Sometimes we need to do something a bit different by holding his hands. And, and you see a bit more about this later because once his eyes are open and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly, Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. So he was sent home but didn't go into the village, which must mean that his home wasn't in the village. The village was the place where he went to beg. You go in any big town uh, or any place, like even Sutton, the people begging, the people wanting things, you know, the homeless and that, they tend to be in the high streets. They tend to be where people are that they can beg from. And I, I reckon this man was in the village because that was where he could beg. It was the place to be. But Jesus doesn't want that anymore for him. He wants him to go home. Don't go back there. Sometimes we need a bit of a break from those where we were before. We think we belong there. And Jesus is saying, you don't belong down there. You belong over here. Come home. Go to where you need to be and see things as they really are. Some of us feel bad about ourselves. We feel down there. We feel in that place where we need to beg and feel small and we're blind. And Jesus says, I want to open your eyes. Walk with me. Let me open your eyes. And also, this is where you belong. See things in a different way. So this man went home seeing things clearly. And I suppose that's, that's why I wanted to do this talk this morning. I just felt that God needs some people to see things differently because sometimes our lives get messy. Sometimes things happen to us that we'd rather didn't happen. And we don't see things the way God sees them. But God is there for us. He loves us. He cares about us. He wants us to walk with him and find out what it's like to have life with him. And there were three other things that I just wanted to say. You see, if we have our sight changed and if we see things differently, we'll see people differently as well. It says this... Um, in 2 Corinthians, and I've always liked this because I've always kind of brought it to myself. And it's uh, 2 Corinthians 6. And it says this. So, after seeing that we've been saved by God, it says this. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We regard no one from a worldly point point of view. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. We're all different people here, aren't we? We've come from different backgrounds. We've got different 
educational attainments, different skills, all sorts of stuff like that. We've got different talents. If you want to procure something or get something, you ask Cindy. You don't ask me because I'll bottle it. I won't, you know. Uh, a little example last week, we, we weren't sure how many biscuits we had. Cindy just says, Cindy just says, oh, I'll go around and get some from Blundis or wherever, she said. I said, do you want some money? <laughs> no. And just walks around and comes back with an armful of biscuits. I could never do that. Elaine said to me, if I went there, they'd kick me out. But, yeah. And, the, and then there's the computer at the back. You know, I mean, for a moment, Sharon talked to me as if I knew what to do with the computer, which is just ridiculous. I don't have a clue. I don't know what's going on with it. I, can, not, I think I care, but not that much. You know, and there are other people who can do stuff, you know, who can cook and do this, that and the other. We're all different, but you know, we're all the same. We regard no one from a worldly point of view where we put someone up there and someone down there and he's better than him and he's better than her. Jesus thought we were each worth dying for. When he was nailed to the cross, he was nailed to the cross for every single person here individually. That's not some amorphous group. That means you, 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 you know? You were worth his death on the cross. And that means everybody. So when we look at someone else, we should never, ever put someone down. The world might do that, but we see things differently. And that goes for the way we see ourselves. The same thing applies for us. Do you know one of the great things when I became a Christian is I love that verse that you know, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. I didn't think too much of myself when I was younger. I, I kind of felt that I was the sort of person who just missed out or messed up stuff. But do you know, when I became a Christian, hearing that I could be a new creation and start all over again, and then my baptismal verse was the classic baptism verse, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it at the, at the uh, day of Christ Jesus. And do you know what? That's the same for each one of us as well. He's working on everyone. Obviously, he's working harder on Wes, but that can't. <laughs> you know, but he's working on everyone's life. Let's give each other a break and let's give ourselves a break. Yeah? See things differently. God loves you. God loves everybody in this place. It's the way we look at the world and the way we, we see things. And when we see the world, we need to see the world in a different way as well. We don't belong here. We do and we don't. This is the place where God's put us to do stuff. But it says in Philippians that we are citizens of heaven. Now, that meant a lot to Paul when he said that. In those days, most of the area that Paul traveled in was part of the Roman Empire. And you had to do what the Romans said. They had all the laws and, and everything like that. And uh, Paul knew that he was in this 
huge, powerful empire. You would have seen soldiers everywhere. Um, he would have seen a lot of arrogance, uh, you know, being expected to get out the way of centurions or soldiers or whatever. But in the midst of that, he knew that God's empire, that God's, God had everything sorted out and that he was actually a citizen of heaven. And that's what he says for each one of us. We're here, but if we, if we had a sort of God passport, you know, there'd be my picture there, obviously looking really good. Um, but, uh, you know, instead of UK, it would say heaven or on God's side. Uh, and... Uh, and that's where we are. It's just a way of seeing things differently, isn't it? And when we go out in the world and we go out there, we take Jesus with us. It's a way of thinking and looking at ourselves. And that's what we need to do, to see ourselves clearly, to see our situations clearly. And I just want to encourage a lot of you, really. That's, that's what I feel God wants this morning. For you to be encouraged, see yourself as God sees you. And some of the songs we sing tell us that, don't they? And I know one of the things I said um, that I preached on a few, I don't know, a couple of months ago, was a song, it comes out in a song I really like. Uh, it's, I am who you say I am. I am who God says I am. You are who God says you are. And the situation is, as God says it is, see things differently. How do you see? What do you see? Do you see further as well? Me, I want to stand on the shoulders of giants. And I want to see as far as I can see. You know, I think God's got great things for everybody here. He doesn't want us to be down there. He wants us to be up there. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that your view of us is the most amazing view. That you love each one of us so, so much that you gave your son for us. Father God, I pray with all my heart that everybody here will see themselves, see others, see the world, see circumstances the way you see them. And that we'll walk with you. And that we'll know you are our Father who cares for us. And that in walking with you, we'll be able to see where we're going and see much further as we go towards the horizon. Father God, open our lives and our eyes to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.